Two gigantic guests for the price of one show. This is the Organic Gardener, Doug Oster, just moments away. Tenth caller, however, what a great early Christmas holiday gift from the good people at Sorgles. Tenth caller, $25 gift certificate right now, 412-922-1020. So without further ado, we have a lot to cover over the next hour. Here he is, your host, Doug Oster. Doug? Good morning, Rob. Yeah, we do have a lot to cover today. In just a minute, we're going to be talking to Lisa Steinkopf, the houseplant guru and author of Bloom, the secrets of growing flowering houseplants year-round. We are going to have so much fun talking about indoor flowering plants. Later in the show, Keith Kaiser, executive director of the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, is going to be talking about an amazing new installation called Dazzling Nights, which which opens today. And just a couple uh, housekeeping issues, and we'll be off to talk to Lisa. Next Sunday, the Gardening Santa is back at Han. So bring the kids, bring the pets to Han Nursery from 1 to 4. It's absolutely free. It's fun. There's still social distancing as Santa will be up on his sleigh and take all the pictures you would like. Uh, Santa will probably also have some cool gardening stuff to give away, too. That's next Sunday, 1 to 4 at Han Nursery. And just a reminder, there's still time to get some stuff in the ground if you're so inclined. Uh, Bulbs, garlic. I just planted some flowering kale, some turnips. uh, What else? Some Swiss chard. Uh, Those things get a little bit of protection one one little hint. If you want to grow some of these cool weather crops and get them in this late in the season, give them a little protection. Floating row cover, uh, even a three mil clear drop cloth from the hardware store is a great thing with some support over it to make a little greenhouse outside. If you're lucky enough to have a cold frame, like I've got a couple of those, which is just a little box out in the uh, garden, kind of an unheated greenhouse. That's another way to keep these cool weather crops going. Uh, But don't stop planting. Now, joining us, I'm so looking forward to talking to Lisa. Lisa Steinkamp, the houseplant guru, going to talk about her brand new book, Bloom, The Secrets of Growing Flowering Houseplants Year-Round. Lisa, thank you so much for getting up early on a Sunday morning. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to talk about plants. I could do it at any time of the day. So first off, how how did house plants become your thing? You know, I grew up watching mom take care of this um, amazing fern and some other. She only had a few plants, but she had this fern, which I still have. She's had it since 1957, and I've had it since 2018. Um, and then my grandma had these African violets on her windowsill that just always looked. She just she was always you know, putting her finger in there and seeing if they needed water. and They were always in bloom, and I just, I don't know, I just grew up loving plants. I grew up in the country, so I, we were surrounded all the time. That fern, though, that sounds like a lot of pressure. You can't mess that one, <laughs> seriously, you can't mess that up. That has, I mean, that's a historic yeah. plant in the family. It is. It is. Well, I have a piece from 1985 when I got married, and then I just gave my daughter a piece when she got married in 2018. My sister-in-law has a piece. There's no. lots of them out there if I kill it, but I do have the original, and it's it's going it's doing good. So when you're thinking about blooming house plants, and that this is what I think is so amazing about this book, because I don't know if I've ever seen another book about flowering house plants. When I, you know, I think in general people when they think of house plants, especially someone my age, we think of of just green, you know, and that period for people my age, you know, in the 70s into the 80s when house plants were. Uh, on one uh, high point, they're they're high again, uh, but the the flowers and the first thing that comes to mind for me is like what your grandmother was growing, 
are the African violets. I know, and I, 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 I always write, um, I was just going through my blog post yesterday about, all, all about African violets. I have quite a few of them. And I just, if my grandma could see the, the plants that there are now, African violets, she had, she had white, blue, and pink to choose from. That's all. You know, blue, they call it blue, but it's, you know, really kind of purple. That's all she had to choose from. And now there are, I mean, it, some of them, it, if they never bloomed, you wouldn't care because the foliage is so beautiful. But the flowers are just, un, there's even yellow. I mean, she would not even believe what, what is, there is to choose from today. So people got to quit looking those as, and it's okay to look at them as grandma plants. That brings back such good memories for me. But, you know, these younger people, it's like don't look at them as, you know, the old-fashioned plants. They're, they're pretty amazing. Talk a little bit about growing African violets, if you could, and is that something you consider an easy plant, a hard plant, medium? Where where does it uh, land? I think I think it's an easy plant. I I told people I I joined an African violet society here in uh, Southeast Michigan, and ever since I've learned more, I don't grow them as well as I used to. I <laughs> feel <laughs> <laughs> like you need this soil, you know, you got to tweak the soil, and then you got to worry about the water and about what kind of water you're using. And I'm like, okay, let's just go back to, put, I just put them on the east windowsill. I mean, Grandma didn't have any of that. And hers, I have a picture of her windowsill in my book. It was a, I got to put a picture of hers from who knows what year in the book. I just scanned it in and they did it. Hers were always in bloom. An east window, you know, make sure that they're, you know, always moist. Don't let them dry out. Um, you know, hers were over the kitchen sink, so they were getting great humidity because she didn't have a dishwasher. She was always doing dishes. Um, and, you know, if you give them the right light and keep them moist, they're just going to bloom their little heads off for you. And is it true that I'm supposed to water them from the bottom? No. You don't have, you, you can. Okay. That's fine. But people, I tell people, every plant, there's no such thing as a house plant, right? Everything's from outside. So African violets grow outside, and they get rained on. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is that they're at the equa- you know, near the equator, so it's warm rain. Do not water them with cold water. Yes, you will get terrible damage on the leaves. But And if you want to bottom water them, that's fine, but it's okay. I take mine to the sink and rinse them off. I did a Instagram post about that, and I was washing my African violet leaves. I think some people might have fainted when they saw it. Yeah, because we've been taught over all these years, I've always been taught that if you water from the top, the the, the leaves will rot, and, and uh, so... Well, I will say that if because we grow our plants in a pot, level you know they're straight up and down if you if you let water sit in the middle at too long it will rot that is true because these things are growing outside i've never been there but i've heard that it's kind of a mountainous area they're kind of you know they're always growing on kind of like epiphytes they're always kind of growing on a slant they're just stuck in the side of a hill and craggy little rocks well not the epiphytes but you know they're never growing straight up so same with same with your tillandsias if you don't drain them and you put them straight back up and down after you've watered them they're going to rot. So yes, there are some there are some things you need to do, but it doesn't hurt them, and it's good for them to get all that dust off the leaves. So, all right, Lisa, we're going to take a little break. Hang in there. We're talking to Lisa Steinkamp, uh, the houseplant guru and author of Bloom: The Secrets of Growing Flowering Houseplants Year Round. When we come back, we will continue our conversation. It's a day of some very interesting guests with your organic gardener, Doug Oster. And let's get back to Doug and our very first guest of the morning. That's right. We're back with Lisa Steinkopp. She is the houseplant guru and the author of Bloom, The Secrets of Growing Flowering Houseplants Year-Round. Lisa, am I butchering your last name? I'm trying my best. No, you're not. No, no, it's perfect. Oh, awesome. Tell me about, uh, so the book, Bloom, about the genesis of this book. What? You know, I, what yeah, go ahead. 
I called my editor, and I actually had a, you know, was kicking around an idea of writing a book just about African violets. And then, um, she, you know, that's a little, you know, that's not going to sell as many books as <laughs> to them as, you know, a book that's about all the flowering house plants. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Let's go. So there we go. <laughs> uh, tell me about the cover picture. Tell me about that plant. What is that, and how do I make that look that good like yours does? Okay. I'm going to be honest. I bought it for the, you know, because you have to have perfect pictures. None of my per- plants are perfect. I have too many. I'm, I'm, I won't lie to you. But um, it's an acmea. It's in the, it's a, I'm actually in the bromeliad society, so um, all the bromeliad information here went through the president of the bromeliad society, which was very nice. Um, it's an acmea. It's a bromeliad. It's an urn plant. There's many plants in the bromeliad family that are the, all you all you need to do, well, obviously, is give it the correct light, and fill keep the urn in the middle filled with water. And you dump it out once in a while and okay. refresh it, and it sends out these blooms. And then, of course, everybody's like, "Well, doesn't it then bromeliads?" It's true, they do die after they bloom, but not before. It takes a long time, and not before they send out two more babies. So then you have, you know, you get two for the price of one. And then you just keep the urns filled and keep it in the right light, and hopefully it will bloom again. What are some other easy plants that flower indoors uh, that are in the book that you recommend for gardeners? You know, I, you know, the, one of the biggest, hottest plants right now is the Hoya, and um, it, does, it does bloom. And I have it in my, everybody's like, well, you have to have special, you know, light or whatever. But if you have a, I have a south window, and my Hoya blooms regularly, um, that's, those are amazing plants, and like I said, they're one of the hottest plants right now. I think any of the any of the gazmarians, there's you know there's we talked about the African violet, but there's Ascananthus, the lipstick plant that that blooms easily in the house, and it's a nice hanging plant. Uh, the goldfish plant, and of course, right now, who doesn't want or have one of the uh, you know Thanksgiving cactus? Oh, <laughs> they're unbelievable, and everybody, you know, a lot of people say you you know you need to it needs cold and it needs all the things to bloom, but my daughter has one that is so fabulous. Her husband even looked over at it at Thanksgiving and goes, where'd that plant come from? Because <laughs> it's blooming so profusely. She goes, it's always been there. He goes, come on. I go, no, it's just in bloom now. It wasn't its time before. It was just a green plant sitting there. So, um, and it burst into, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and she just keeps it in the window and it, you know, we guess we have cooler, it does get cooler here because we have to turn our furnaces on and if we don't crank them up, they are getting those cooler nights and those short, short days, and they, they bloom. I think those are easy plants. Paint me a picture of what your house looks like on the in, inside, yeah. and and is everybody <laughs> on board with all these plants indoors? Because no. yes, I'm, I'm under orders to not to bring anything else, and I've been sneaking stuff onto my little table, you know, when my wife's at oh. work. So. And I haven't heard a thing yet, but I, you got to have. I couldn't tell if I snuck a plant in here, but he knows. I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting in the dining room right now, and I'm I'm going to have Christmas here, and it's like, how how can I make this room bigger? Because <laughs> the plants take up, you know, in front of the window, three about three feet, all the way over to the corner, and I have a Soltec light in the corner, which I love, you know. So I have all these plants under lights in the corner, and I have a big terrarium over here. There's a lot of plants in this house, and he's he's a nice guy, and he owns we own a garden center, so. He likes plants. Just wishes there were a little, a few less in this house. Just Every ta- window is full. Talk about the benefits of having all those plants in the house. So that's how I usually get away with it. I start on that rant. Yeah, I'm like, think of all the oxygen in here. 
all the fresh air. <laughs> you know, the kind of the cleaning the air has kind of been debunked, but it, I think you'd have to have like 100 house plants per square foot or something, or you know, a lot of house plants. I'm like, I oh, come on, it's got to be doing something for us here, right? And, it, and they, you know, they're, they're, they lower your blood pressure. I don't know if they lower his blood pressure when he walks in and sees <laughs> all of them, but it lowers my blood pressure. It makes me happy. <laughs> they make me happy, so he's okay with it. And talk a little bit more about this family connection with plants. I love that, that, you know, these plants were from another generation, and then you are spreading them out to another generation. Yes. I. Everybody, you know, that fern was like the centerpiece of Mom's window all of my life. And mm. um, she took care of it. I wrote a college paper about it. I got an A+. Plus. <laughs> Yay! Um, about how she takes care of me, but she also, you know, how you take care of ferns, how to, you know, it was about being taken care of. And um, I love it. And my daughter has a piece. All my, my daughters love plants. Like I said, we have a um, fourth-generation garden center that's in my from my husband's side of the family. And so my daughter works there. She's fourth-generation working there, and she loves it. We are kind of addicted to plants. It came from both sides of the family. They can't get away from it. My brother's a forester. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we like plants. So, houseplants have become so popular, but at your garden center, because you are the houseplant guru, were they always a big part of the operation? You know what? They they, they weren't. We we have a it's a very small family owned um, garden center. I mean, it's big, as in we have three acres of outdoor plants, but in but no greenhouses. So. We just started, she fills the office, or the, the, we have like a smaller office store, and she fills it with houseplants. So it's, they, they sell very well now. If we had a lot of room, she could really go crazy with them. I, I didn't, you know, I was, I was born in the late 60s. So, I mean, I've always liked houseplants, but I mean, is it, can this craze that it is now, could have it really have been bigger in the 70s? I can't imagine it. I mean, it was pretty huge. I mean, I lived through that, and... Everybody had one of those uh, hanging uh, croquet, oh, macrame. yeah, macrame, macrame. spider yeah, plant. I, I mean, that, it was part of it. Uh, before yeah. I let before I let you go, talk a little bit about maybe a couple off the beaten path flowering house plants that aren't too difficult, but that you love that we might not know about. Oh boy, that was you got me. Um, I I really you know I think those people don't think that orchids are easy. And I love, I have a miniature orchid in here that I've had for a long time. And it's, and you would know I had a long time because it's only about three inches big. But it looks like little pansies blooming, Herella, Easy, easy plant. And also the um, slipper, the slipper orchids. Lady slipper orchids are extremely easy. They're, they're terrestrial, so they're, you know, they're in the, they're, you treat them like a house plant that's in soil or in potting medium. And, uh, you know, they send out these amazing flowers that it's like crazy. And also, if you can find a night-blooming, you know, night-blooming yeah. curious, as they call it, an epiphyllum oxypetalum, I get 13 million views on my time-lapse of that video. <laughs> I, it went crazy. And I, it was amazing, and it smells like heaven, and it blooms at night. And an, it's really an easy plant. Another, so, another historic plant. I mean, everybody used to have one, and when it was getting ready to bloom, that was a big event. That was a big yeah. event. Uh, Everybody's like, is that the Dennis the Menace plant? I go, well, his, I watched that, and his was, didn't look like mine. But, yes, that, was the, that is the plant. Everybody gets together, watches it open at night. Um, it, it is, it's, and I heard so many, there were so many comments on that. 
and they were telling me what country they were from and what it <clears throat> meant in their country and that my mom had one and, you know, it grows outside because a lot of people were from, you know, other countries that it's warm and it grows outside and, you know, because it's an epiphyte growing up in trees. And it was amazing. It, that, that, but that is an easy, it is an easy plant. It's like I, I do nothing. It sits in the sun and I water it and it blooms. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. First, for getting up so early on a Sunday morning to be on the show. Uh, Lisa Steinkamp is the houseplant guru, author of Bloom, The Secrets of Growing Flowering Houseplants Year-Round. Check out everything she does at thehouseplantguru.com. That's thehouseplantguru.com. It is an awesome site, and her blog is wonderful. All right, we'll be back. Who do we have coming up, Doug? It's Keith Kaiser, Executive Director of the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, talking about something that opens today called Dazzling Nights. You're going to want to hear about this. He's coming up next. In just a couple of minutes, we have that news at 730 with Andrew Lindbergh. It is Rob Pratt Sunday, KDKA Radio. All right. Yeah, believe it or not, Christmas open house next weekend at Janoski's. The holiday season is upon us. Tenth caller right now wins a uh, gift certificate from Janoski's, that incredible place in Clinton, Pennsylvania. And that number to dial to be the tenth caller, 412-922-1020. Doug, all yours. We are joined by my friend Keith Kaiser. He is the executive director of the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden. He's going to be talking about something called Dazzling Nights, which opens today. Good morning, Keith. How are you? How are you, Doug? I'm doing great. Thanks for getting up early in the morning, being on the show. We appreciate it. No problem. I made Uh, it this week. No problem. (laughs) It happens, brother. Uh, So you know, it got me up early. I'm going to get out there and do some gardening work yet today, too. So it was a good day to get that finished up. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I know somebody's going fishing. But uh, anyway... I'm doing bulbs yet this morning. Oh, I've got so I've got so many bulbs to plant. Keith and I both are are bulb fanatics and also daffodil fanatics, and we have worked yeah. together for a long time. Uh, before we get to dazzling nights, tell us about the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden, where it is, and a little bit of the history. Sure. Yeah, Pittsburgh Botanic Garden is a um, wonderful uh, place, kind of about ten miles west of downtown, about. Uh, Maybe ten miles, if you will, south of the airport. Not far. We're in North Fayette Township, um, in Oakdale is our address. But we are about four minutes, literally, from Robinson Town Center. And I tell people if they can find IKEA, they can find <laughs> us. Um, we are a little bit remote, and that's the magic about it. So it's um, a great place to come and discover and learn. We are 460 acres of woodlands and gardens. We currently have 65 of those acres open to the public, and we focus on the Allegheny Plateau uh, ecoregion, which is our native landscape uh, in western Pennsylvania. So there's fun things to see and do and learn, and just a place to enjoy some time by yourself, bring a friend, bring your family, um, attend a class or workshop or whatever. Lots of things happening. That's for sure. I mean, when during the season, there's you tell me what I'm missing. Celebration Garden, Hillside Pollinator Garden, uh, Garden of Five Senses, this amazing welcome center uh, with a cafe, incredible long trails, Asian Garden, uh, art installation. I mean, it's all there, Keith. You're right. And our exhibit garden, which we opened last year, was uh, a perfect example of how we've transformed our land, uh, which was totally a coal mine with deep mines and uh, surface mining. The the exhibit garden opened after we did some restoration work. So that's four acres or so of land. And there is a large-scale outdoor installation there 
um, that's in place for a couple of years. So uh, fun thing to see there too. So having 65 acres of gardens makes it perfect for this dazzling nights. Tell us all about dazzling nights and we need to go through what people are going to see there. Cause it looks, it looks stunning. You are exactly right. Um, there are about two miles actually of walkways. So it is outdoors. It's in the gardens and the woodland areas. And there are walkways that are hard surface. Some that are um, mulch, some are gravel. So people have to be ready for that. But, it's not a light show like I think anybody's ever seen quite like before. It, it isn't uh, animated displays of, you know, the typical holiday mm-hmm. types of uh, images people see, but it's about the plants and it's the immersion into the landscape. Um, there's about a dozen uh, different uh, featured areas from um, foggy woods to um, the fireflies up in the meadow to uh, about a 12 to 15 minute light and sound show down in the Japanese garden. Uh, to a 65-foot-long 65 65 dazzling nights tunnel. Um, I really have never seen, uh, I think, to the scale, the lights like this. Um, it's really quite fascinating. Uh, people, I think, will be quite, to use the expression, blown away. And I keep telling people, uh, everybody really needs to come see this. How did this come about? How did, you know, you as the executive director, you're always looking uh-huh. looking for things to bring people to the garden, you know, the garden has grown exponentially over the last couple of years. Uh, amazing. Right. How did Dazzling Nights come about? Well, we um, do want to continue, and we have a long ways to go. We'll never be done, actually, uh, to bring more people to the gardens. We're here to um, create that special memory for people as well as and, and holiday shows like this, uh, as well as any day of the year. We are closed on Mondays, typically. But um, it came about because we, we're always looking for ways to bring a new audience or bring our continued audience, uh, educate and, and, and provide places and things for our members to do, as well as the general public. And and we know that holiday lights are very popular across the world. And uh, this organization called Memoir Agency uh, uh, started reaching out to different botanic gardens across the country. And they're fairly new at it. This is just their third year. And they're from, from Florida. And we said, well, this, and we've been looking at some, if you will, blockbuster types of events to start with. And this is one that just seemed to make sense to us. And uh, the experience that they've had, the, 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 the uh, success they've had the last couple of years at the other gardens they've been at. And uh, they came out to our site and were just really excited about the terrain, even though it is kind of hilly and, and uh, uh, adventurous versus some of the gardens that maybe they had a little more flat spaces, but also um, just being in the outdoors in this time of year. And then the gardens in the evening is a fun, in the woodlands, is a good way for people to change what they do from day to day and, and see something different. Well, when you say that, people should know these are, are gentle rolling hills. Uh, you know, yeah. Keith and I have have hiked that property many, 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 many times together, and it's a very easy walk. So don't worry about that. Right. Uh, so right. when I was just reading up a little bit on Dazzling Nights, one of the things I saw there was interactive lights on the ground that light up when you walk on them. Tell me about this. Yeah. That's cool. I, and, you know, I... You know, we've been working on this. Um, they started installation November 1st, and, and I'm like, okay, yeah, good. And I had the opportunity to see uh, all this in place uh, earlier last week, and I thought, wow, those lights are so cool. You step on them, and um, they change from green to red to blue and yellow and 
and and it just was a really fun experience and, and you know it makes everyone be a child again it's fun well i think it's going to be amazing we got a couple minutes left for the before we get to the sure. break and i want to uh, hang hang in there during the break uh, i want to bring okay. you back and i just want to let you know alex we're going to get to you if you hang in there after break we'll sneak your call in there about fig trees and then we'll continue with keith about the botanic garden tell me a little bit about this transformation if you can briefly from coal mining to an amazing garden. Right. So um, in 1980 or 98, the, the organization was looking for a home and we connected with the county, released this land and have been doing so. And between 1998 and 2015, when we officially opened, we spent many years of, of cleaning up land, um, trying to prevent massive my drainage, which we currently have three filter systems now that do about 25 million gallons a year and just developing these woodland areas and gardens and have done a major transformation as you said um, since even 2019 or 2019 when we opened the hillside pollinator garden right onto the garden of the five senses and our welcome center and people are finding all kinds of interesting things to see and do and experience and um it's been a great process. Um, I love everybody. There's people saying, well, where is this? I never heard that there was a botanic garden in the city. We're very well aware of what FIPS is doing. Um, but there's room for both types of organizations to do great things. And it all is centered around people and connecting them to plants and our everyday lives. Well, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Dazzling Nights and a little bit more about the garden. And as I said, Alex, we'll get to you and talk a little bit about fig trees, too. Back with more in a moment. Next hour, leftover turkey recipes, and we'll share that turkey croquette recipe with you. It is the Coons Cooking Hour. Joan Frank Dentisi, Katie Kay, but right now, Doug and I and Keith are going to talk to Alex about fig trees. That's right. I am joined by Keith Kaiser. He's the executive director of the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden. In just a second, we're going to continue our discussion of Dazzling Nights, but he's going to help me answer Alex's question about figs. Alex, what's going on? Okay. I heard you talk about Chicago fig last week. Uh-huh. I had to have one. Bought it. It's one gallon container. Thinking I should store it in an unheated garage over the winter before I plant in the spring. That's one. Is there any special care that I need to give it in the garage? And two, it appears to have two trunks coming off on it. Should I let that grow a while and then trim to one? Or do they have two trunks sometimes? They can be multi-stemmed. Uh, my fig tree is a, a multi-stemmed tree. And, Keith, you tell me what you think. But if sure. if I was going to put it in the garage, I would just want to put it into dormancy. It can't go down below about 23 degrees. So know that. Uh, it won't kill the bottom, but it could kill the top. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it, putting it into a garage um, it makes lots of sense. And actually... Uh, if it has light or no light in the garage, meaning windows, not not lights from a light switch or light in a bulb, but would be fine. So not super hard, cold freezing is okay, but also a garage that's too warm is not good either. Mm-hmm. You want it to stay cool. And even if it did kind of slightly freeze, meaning the container froze, uh, that's not terrible. But one of the most important things is to keep it still moist. Make sure that you go into um, its, its storage um, with the root bulb moist 
and and literally even if you think you have to water it um, throughout the winter sometime that makes sense because you want the plant to still stay actively moist and it's still alive it's not dead it's just dormant meaning the leaves have fallen off you might still have a few that hang on and but the most important thing is you really don't want it growing um if you if you can all prevent that so cool probably in the 35 to 40 range would be or you know 30 to 40 range would be ideal and um, keeping it moist and just letting it go dormant. But leave it outside as long as you can. You know, if you, if you have the ability to move it in and out, that's what uh, some people actually do, especially if you have a small pot that you can lift easily. But the question about uh, multi-stemmed or single trunk, I think it's just how you visually want it to look. Um, a single trunk, you just keep taking away all the, the suckers or the slow branches that continue to come up from the base which might be a little bit more challenge or work to do constantly, meaning all throughout its growing season. Or if you want it to be a single trunk, um, that can work too. You just train it into be a single stem. And Alex, all you're trying to do is keep that top alive because you'll get figs sooner. That's the idea. You know, mine is out. One of mine is outside. I, you know, I'm pushing it to the ground. It's a tall tree. I'm covering it up with uh, just bags of soil from, from the, uh, nursery and then i will uncover that when there's no chance of frost and so there there's a thing called the fig dance we call it in the spring when you've got one indoors because you'll bring it out for a couple days and it's going to get cold and you put it back in the garage and you bring it back out it's a lot of fun does that answer your question alex i appreciate your time guys all right thanks very much keith back to dazzling nights real quick tell us about how we can visit and when we can visit and where we should park and all that sort of thing. All the information actually is at pittsburghbotanicgarden.org. It is, as well as you can go to dazzlingpittsburgh.com, either one. But um, it actually opens, as we said, uh, tonight, and it goes for 35 nights till January 1st. Uh, We're not having a show on Christmas Day or Christmas evening. And... Um, the the best way you do need to have tickets ahead of time, so you do need to go to the website or to the um, uh, either either of the websites. But do not call the gardens because they cannot make tickets happen that way. You can ask, have questions answered if you need to. But anyway, it is 5:30. Uh, is the first ticket every 15 minutes. There's ticketing um, with uh, the last ticket sales is for nine o'clock. Uh, we do give about a good hour and a half or so for your your experience. And um, there is parking on site. There's a fee involved with that. And we have limited parking on site, but we also have free complimentary parking at the CCAC uh, West Hill Center. All right. Thanks so much, Keith. PittsburghBotanic.org. Now I'm answering questions later this afternoon. Uh, are we ready to go here, Robert? Okay. Remember, <laughs> organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow. In every garden you grow. There he goes, Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Andrew Lindbergh next with the news at 8 a.m. on KDKA. Good morning.